When we talk about, we talked about anger for the last two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and we probably actually could talk about it for about another two months. Two years. Maybe. Okay. Right. Um, the ripple effects of anger. We, t- we listed out, you know, the what, seven, eight, nine different stages of anger yeah. and stuff like that. Anger starts with offenses. It starts with offenses. We get offended, we get hurt, something happens. And it builds. Today, we're gonna be talking about forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And we need to recognize the ripple effect that anger and unforgiveness have, not just in our life, but in the lives of everyone around us. So, I mean, we've been going through 1 Corinthians 13, love is, love is not, all this other stuff that we've been going through. And like Jean said, for the last two weeks we've been uh, talking about love is not easily angered. Well, this week we're going to be talking about love keeps no record of wrongs. So what does that look like? I mean, if, if I say love keeps no record of wrongs, what does that sound like to me? Huh? You get rolled over. <laughs> you get rolled over. All right. Love is unconditional. Love is unconditional. Okay. Dave? Keep coming back for more. Keep coming back for more. Sarah? It almost feels unrealistic. Okay. To just allow it to happen. And, like, I don't know. Like, okay. To have no record of being taken advantage of and being wrong. Okay. It just doesn't seem unrealistic. Unrealistic. Think about how freeing it would be. Okay. Does it feel unfair? <clears throat> Why are you unfair in what sense? Well, and, and that's the question I'm asking. Unfair in whatever sense you have. Because oftentimes when we hang on to something, when we hang on to an offense, it's because we're afraid that if we forgive it, it's going to give license to the person to offend again. And it's going to it's, it's going to be as if we said, yeah, it really didn't matter that you ran over me with a bus. Yes, but if you're truly loving and you're not keeping tabs, you shouldn't be keeping tabs in offenses. You shouldn't have a tally list. Right. You should just... Okay. Shouldn't. I, I did say shouldn't. shouldn't. I said shouldn't. I did say that. I know. But I'm just saying, in a perfect world, if you did something to me that upset me, I shouldn't be keeping a little scorecard on my phone like, hey, she did this, this, and this. Okay, can I ask a question now? Okay, because we agree. How, how, how many people agree with that statement? In a perfect world, we shouldn't be doing In a perfect world. Okay. Yeah. Now, how many of us have gotten into arguments and pulled out history? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. So much for the perfect world. Right, and every time I do it, I always, I, I sit there and I go, oh, I wish I could take those words back. Right. You know I shouldn't have done that. Right. But you can't take them back, and because it's in your head, you're keeping it out. I would suggest not only is it in our head, it's in our heart. Uh-huh. I'm going to talk about that later. Teddy? No, now, Teddy. <laughs> <laughs> I used to work as a waitress, and I've got the timing perfectly. As soon as someone puts food in their mouth is when you're supposed to ask. <laughs> yes. Okay? It prevents you from actually having to do anything if you're a waitress. I was going to say, the same concept, Perspective kind of change and a heart change that yeah. goes along with it. 
it's far more freeing to, to just, um, I guess, live knowing how forgiveness is just so much more powerful. Yeah. You speak. You speak well, wise one. <laughs> Sorry, I just it, it, there's a lot of wisdom, very much wisdom. I think the hard part is getting from here to here. You know. Sure. And that's what the lesson's going to be today. How, how, what practical steps can we take to get from here to here? Because it's not a one, two, three, done. You know, that topic right here, doing the forgiveness thing, has been taught throughout the church over the last handful of years. And it's great that it's being re-brought up again because having that anger towards someone actually makes you physically sick. Yep. It can really make you yep. sick. And then when you finally give yourself the permission to forgive them, even if it's not verbally to them, just inside of yourself forgive them you feel such a weight lifted off and then just miraculously you start feeling better and then you have those little moments where you think about that person and it's like you have that oh i just want to jab them you know and then you're like no i already forgave them i can't be mad at them and then you start to get sick and then you get better again but yeah you have to keep reminding yourself you have to stay forgiving to that person because that person may not know how wrong they've wronged you. Yeah. And we're going to be talking about that as well, too. So that's also a good point, Sarah. Um, my question would be, how do you move from the being offended, being justly offended, and we're unjustly offended, and as Christians, we are called to guard our heart. Mm-hmm. And so the, I guess the dichotomy is how do you go from that to the ultimate of love? How do you make sure that you have fences around your heart and not walls? Right. So that this way there's permission to, to come in and not have someone continually mow over your flowers, not your lawn. It's like... Yeah, we're actually going to... That's we're, That's also going to that, be something we're addressing. That's the focus pretty much for today because it's important to understand that forgiveness implies different things to a believer or should to a believer than it does to a non-believer forgiveness to a non-believer means okay the the slate's wiped clean and I can go back and we can just have the relationship like we always had because otherwise Christ told you you know you're you're a Christian you're supposed to forgive me which and now means that I'm supposed to act as if I haven't been hurt at all. I'm supposed to allow whatever behavior to continue from a non-believing perspective. That's oftentimes what forgiveness means. Yeah. From a believer's perspective, it's important to understand that we can forgive another person and still not be in relationship with that person. And here's the evidence of that. It's, it's the cross. Because on the cross, when Jesus said, it is finished, what he said is the sacrifice for all sins. All sins at this point have been forgiven. Believer, non-believer. Believer, non-believer. All sins have been forgiven. That's what he said when this is, you know, this is finished. However, does everybody get into heaven? The answer is no. Because for the believer, and this is what forgiveness involves, it, it involves forgiveness here. But it also can't, doesn't necessarily demand reconciliation. See, God the Father paved the way for us to be reconciled to the Father through the cross. We have a choice whether or not we want to reconcile. How many people do you know that refuse to accept the Lord? You know, we've talked to them, we've challenged them, we've prayed for them, and at this point, they still refuse to accept anything of Jesus. And to be in relationship with God, God has boundaries. God's love is unconditional, but our relationship with him is very conditional. His relationship with us is conditional. God has boundaries. So it is expected in a, in, in a believing type format, that's what forgiveness looks like. It's, it's a deal between you and God first, and then 
potentially reconciliation. It doesn't necessarily imply that it's going to happen. And if reconciliation does happen, there are boundaries permitted so that, as Jean mentioned to Sarah, we can have a fence around our heart, not walls. So some different quotes that we found pretty interesting. Marianne Williamson, I have no idea who they are, she is, but she says, forgiveness is not always easy. It feels more painful at times than the wound we suffered um, than to forgive the one that inflicted it. And yet there's no peace without forgiveness. Ter uh, Sherry Rosenthal said, today I say yes to forgiving. I commit to being for giving love and for giving compassion in all areas of my life. Max Lucado, forgiveness is unlocking the door <clears throat> to set someone free and realizing you were the prisoner. Martin Luther King Jr., I've decided to stick with love. Hate is too great a burden to bear. Jonathan Lockward Yui. You create stress in your life by getting angry, and you can instantly remove that stress by granting forgiveness. That's what Sarah was talking to. When you are offended at any man's faults, turn to yourself and study your own failings. Then you will forget your anger. I don't even know how to pronounce that. Epticus. Um, you will know that forgiveness has begun when you recall those who hurt you and feel the power to wish them well. Without forgiveness, life is governed by an endless cycle of resentment and retaliation. Forgiveness doesn't excuse their behavior. It prevents their behavior from destroying your heart. And Corey Ten Boom, forgiveness is the key which unlocks the door of resentment, the handcuffs of hatred. It breaks the chains of bitterness and the shackles of selfishness. When we look in scripture, Psalm 65.3 said that though we are overwhelmed by our sins, you forgave them all. And David had a lot of sins racking up. Psalm 32.1, oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Ephesians 4.32 it tells us, instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. The first two scriptures we talked about was receiving the forgiveness of God for our own sins. This last one, Ephesians, says, we have been forgiven for our sins. Can we forgive others as Christ commands us to? There's the parable of the unmerciful servant in Matthew 18, and we're not going to read the entire parable, but it opens, that whole passage of Scripture opens with Peter asking Jesus, hey Jesus, now this is Peter. I mean, every time he opened up his mouth, he thought he was going to say something profound. Hey Jesus, so if I forgive someone seven times, will that be good? And Jesus looks at him, 70 times seven. And Peter's kind of like, how is that even possible? 490 offenses. And I think that was Jesus' point. Because then he went into the unmerciful servant where the guy owed this king, this, this master, what would account to millions of dollars in today's economy. And the king just forgave him his debt. Walked away grateful and then what ended up happening is he ran into somebody who owed him money, thousands of dollars in today's economy, and said, I demand you pay me now, and wasn't willing to forgive them. And what did Jesus say? That when the king found out about it, he took that unmerciful servant and he put him in jail. And here's what scripture says, and my father will do the same to you if you don't forgive others their sins. When I looked at that and when I read it the way a child should read it, not the way I would read it through adult eyes, not believing, it says, my father will pluck you up and stick you in jail, just like that king did. 
But here's the key, ironically. God also gives us the key to get out of that cell. The key is forgiveness. So we're sitting in that cell with a key to get out. And we're just languishing. How dare he do that? My debt was not that bad. Look at what the other person's was. And now I'm paying a worse penalty? This isn't fair. And that's often, often how our mind goes with the different offenses. I'm, I, I didn't do anything half as bad as you did. Why do I have to deal with this? Okay, because we take that account. You know, we judge our, our offenses against their offenses. You don't know what he called me. You know, he started cursing at me. Well, I called him an imbecile. Imbecile's not a curse, right? So my, my judgment against him is, is, is better because he called me a, you know, I didn't curse at him. So therefore, my calling him an imbecile is better, right? No. It's not. <laughs> well, we chuckle, but we hear this all the time. Okay. We hear this far more Paul? than we want to. Uh, and we, to, to take that to the next level, here's us humans, we often see our first degree murder as a lesser crime than somebody's mistake. Um, you know, the, I, their thing was worse than mine, but man, if we really look, oh my gosh. It's, it's a hard inward look. Matthew 7 says, um, before you take the speck out of someone else's eye, make sure you get the log out of your own eye first. That, that has a lot to do with evaluating your own motives and everything else. Did it ever say don't remove the speck from the other neighbors, from your neighbor's eye? It doesn't say that. As a matter of fact, Scripture speaks in many places. If we have uh, uh, um, against someone else, if there's an offense, then this is how we should handle it. Yeah, it doesn't okay? say don't take. The it doesn't say out. roll over and play dead and let the other person walk over you. It says these are the steps that you should take. Okay. Now, what does Scripture say about God's forgiveness and our sins? Uh, you, many of you have been with us for a while, so it's pointless to ask this question, really. But Scripture doesn't say that God forgets our sins. God doesn't forget anything. He True. knows every single one of the hairs on our head, including the count after I went like this and took a handful out. Okay. Here? <laughs> nice. Ain't that the truth? <laughs> Got to make sure this is in place now. Scripture says, here's what Scripture does say. He will remember their sins no more. God makes his conscious choice to not remember. That's different than forgetting. That is truly keeping no record of wrongs. God chooses not to remember them any longer. So that oftentimes when we, you know, when we ask God for forgiveness for something for the tenth time, nine times God has been saying up there, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? And oftentimes we're keeping ourselves in this cage. Because keep in mind, it's not only that here's what's keeping us in this cage. Lack of forgiveness for others and lack of forgiveness for ourselves. Oftentimes we do that. Oftentimes we do that. We lock our own self in the cage because we committed the worst thing ever that is completely unpardonable by Christ. Really? Really? You're the exception to scripture. Wow. Okay. I've done it. I've been there, you know. I've done it. For some reason my judgment all of a sudden becomes greater than God's. You know? And but God says no. And this sounds stupid as well, and I just feel like I need to put it in there. Has God ever done anything wrong? Has he ever sinned? No. Have we ever held him responsible for things? Okay. Sometimes. Well, actually, yeah. 
I'm going to back up to something too. But sometimes we have to go through the process of forgiving God for our own heart, even though God never did anything wrong. Does that make sense? All right. Because there's, there's a process of releasing that, that hurt, that emotion, that faulty thinking. Yeah. All right. Um, and to go back to... Um, okay, Lord, I had it, and now I missed it. To forgiving ourselves. There was something there. Um, oh, it was really important, and I missed it. It's gone. Okay, well, one of the things... Uh, Getting back to this forgiving God, I struggle with that personally in myself, what Jean just shared, because God didn't do anything wrong. And so it's important also to identify the goodness of God. Because sometimes we see God as, as this father who does do things wrong, who's a benevolent dictator almost, or less than what he is, and what he is is a father. And what he is is a loving father who has never done anything wrong. He has nothing but good for us. You know, I'm certain there's going to be a lot of people in Houston and the Florida Keys and the Dominican Republic and everything else who's going to be forgiving God for sending this hurricane. The hurricane got sent because this whole planet is under sin. Mm -hmm. It's defective. That's right. It's defective. We brought that up. Not God. And that doesn't mean that our sin caused the exactly. hurricane. What it could mean is some of the impact that we have done has changed the atmosphere, literally. Our lack of stewardship over okay. this. Over you know, this so and there's lots of different things that when we make that, and I'm very, very careful here because if you go on the internet now, there are so many people out there, you know, that are saying that these natural disasters are God's retribution. No. You know, for that's that's a lie. That's a lie. So, okay, so what are the obstacles to forgiveness? What do you think some of the obstacles are to uh, forgiveness? Continued sin against you. Continued sin Continued against Continued sin against, yeah. When you, out of nowhere, will remember the thing that they did to you, and okay. it gets you mad all over again. Okay. <laughs> Pride. Yeah. Pride. Guilt. Guilt. Because you can't forgive yourself. Okay. okay. That's actually a good point because sometimes we 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 hold on to our guilt so much that everyone else must also be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why pride, sir? Um because sometimes it is <clears throat> Sometimes you just want to be right. Okay. okay. Because if you're not right, then it's, it, it, it hurts. It's, Does it magnify the hurt? Uh, the pride or not being right. The not being right. Yeah. All right. All right. Okay. Thank uh-huh. you. Thank um, you. Mm-hmm. Also, um, if you feel your reputation is being... Uh, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jean had one. I think... Um, I think it was tied into what, Victoria? Yeah. yeah. Uh, is it Victoria or Monica? Veronica. Monica. Veronica. Neither. <laughs> it's a V. <laughs> and I had it on the second one. <laughs> Veronica. Um, oftentimes, oftentimes what happens is an offense happens. Okay. And then Satan goes in there, and you remember this, and remember this, and remember this. Remember when they did that, or when they didn't do that? Okay, so you have this one thing that triggers an offense, and now all of a sudden, all these other little needles get thrown in there to help substantiate and maintain the unforgiveness. So there are a lot of obstacles to dealing with this. And that's why, that's why Jesus talked about examining the log in our own eye. What's in there? What's preventing this? It's, you know, oftentimes when we minister to couples and we minister to individuals, whether it be in Cleansing Stream or this class. Or in general. Or in general. Um, I, I was ministering with, with a guy one time. It was uh, some personal prayer time with this gentleman. We were at a conference. 
for our, our, our retreat. And he came up to me, he says, I just can't hear God's voice. Okay. Well, there could be a number of reasons why people don't hear God's voice. So I prayed and I asked him, I asked God, why can't he hear your voice? And basically said he harbors unforgiveness towards his father. It's kind of like, oh, great. <laughs> so I looked at him, I said, please describe your childhood for me. And he looks at me. And at that point, it's kind of like I, I knew he was getting very uncomfortable in that chair. So he described what was going on, and I said, well, I, I know the reason why you can't hear God's voice. I said, but it's up to you whether or not you want to deal with this. I said, because I, can't, I can walk you through it, but I can't make you do it. His father was brutal. His father was absolutely brutal. I said, you have to forgive your dad. And you have to forgive yourself for not protecting your mom. Mm -hmm. Literally, I thought he was going to punch me in the face. Seriously, I thought he was just going to level me and punch me right in the face. And he said, okay. And I walked him through the forgiveness. It was an, it was, oh, he was forgiving out of obedience. Keep in mind, he's, I had to walk him through. I had to give him the words. He's repeating after me. Oh, that didn't come from his heart. He's walking in obedience. God's okay if we don't feel like obeying just so long as we obey and we do it. And eventually, and eventually it, through that obedience, up. God has been more than able to transform lives. Yeah. So he walked through it. Guess who was getting downloads that very night? Guess who had a different countenance on his face the very next morning? Guess who is serving God like you would not believe and hearing from God likely on a daily basis at this point? That guy. And it wasn't because of the words that Ron said. Nope. It was because of the choice of this individual to choose to put aside his anger, to lay it down, to put aside his pride, to not be stubborn and say, you know what, Lord, I trust you. I trust you enough that when you tell me to forgive someone, I'm going to forgive them. Yeah. It doesn't make what they did right, but I'm going to choose. And I want a relationship with you more than I want to hang on to that hate and anger. All too often, though, hanging on to that anger, hanging on to that, that bitterness, that resentment, actually becomes our identity. You know, there's a story of two POWs that went to Vietnam, the Vietnam Memorial in DC, and the one guy is talking to the other guy, and he says, uh, have you forgiven him? You know, have you forgiven what happened to you in Vietnam? And the one guy says, I will never, I will never forget what they did to me for so many years, how they imprisoned me. The one that had forgiven looked to him, he says, then they're still holding you captive. Mm -hmm. That's right. They're still holding you captive. And that's what I meant when I said about freeing and forgiving. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Exactly what I was referring to. Yeah. You, you free yourself. You free yourself. Exactly. But too often we want to we want to remain the victim. What does remaining the victim do? Sometimes it gives us the attention. Sometimes it gives us the excuse. Well, you don't understand what my husband did to me. You don't understand what my wife did to me. You don't understand what my boss did to me. You don't understand what my kids have done to me. Okay. I I'm justified. All right. And remaining the victim has benefits. It gives us some of that attention. It gives us attention. Okay. It gives us empathy because we're not getting any of that otherwise sometimes. Okay. So we have to understand that sometimes if we're, if we're, if we're using victim statements, okay, we need to get out of jail. Yeah. We don't have to be a victim. No one's holding a gun to us at this moment. 
And this is, I mean, and, and here's, the, here's the thing, when we're talking about serious issues of abuse, it's not justifying anything. No. But what it's doing is, is it's stepping out of that and saying, I'm just not going to allow that to impact me moving forward. I was created for a destiny. I was created for a purpose. It's not ignoring what happened in the past. It's allowing, forgiving the offender and allowing God to bring healing to that area of our life so that we can move on. You want proof that it works? Corey Temboom. I think we talked about her, okay? Christian that went into the Holocaust. Look at all the different Holocaust um, people that suffered incredible atrocities that have chosen to forgive, okay? Let's not get that far back. Let's look at all of the women. All right, J.C. Duggard, all right, in our own backyard, held captive, all right, for how many years, all right? The, the three women in Ohio, all right? Those that choose to not just say, okay, that was a really bad part of my life, I'm just gonna box it up and put it in the corner, all right? But choose to forgive. And yeah, they sought justice for the crimes against them. That's the right thing to do. That's, right? yeah. That's the right thing to do. But having to choose to forgive and say, I'm not going to let this define me. This is not who I am. It's not who I choose to be. I'm going to choose to forgive and get my identity in Christ. So if you can't tell, we're walking through certain steps. Let go of the anger. Don't be stubborn. Stop thinking of yourself as a victim and focusing on the future. Um, interesting story. Two guys were walking through the um, desert and they wound up getting into an argument. And one guy slaps the other one. All right? And he writes, the guy that was slapped writes in the sand, today my best friend slapped me. Okay. Well, they continue walking through and they wind up going to a, a little um, oasis, you know, and they decide they're gonna take a bath. And this friend that got slapped winds up getting stuck and almost drowns. His friend came in and rescued him. So now he writes on the stone, the one that got slapped now writes on stone, my best friend rescued me today. And the friend got confused, he says, why is it that the one day you wrote in sand and today you write in the stone? And the guy responds, when someone hurts us, we should write it down in sand where the winds of forgiveness can erase it. But when someone does something good for us, we must engrave it in stone where no wind can ever erase it. Okay? Too often we do the opposite. We put the offenses on stone and we put the good things in sand. That's not God's way. Relearn to trust. This is where reconciliation comes in. <clears throat> and it's important to understand that forgiveness is two sides of the same coin. The first and foremost, the, the first side is forgiveness dealing with this between you and God. And a lack of forgiveness at this level is essentially telling God that the death of Jesus on the cross was good enough for your sins, but not the other person. That's what it's saying. When we have a lack of forgiveness for ourselves, you might as well just tell God, you know what? I appreciate that Christ died on the cross for all the sins of the world, but it doesn't cover this one. That's just flat. That, that, you might as well just spit in God's face. And I know that that's very graphic, but let's look at this at its rawest, coarsed thing. What is happening here? To God, there is no scale of sin. A sin is a sin. They may have different consequences, and some sins have pretty dire consequences. At the same time, a sin is a sin. And the death of Christ on that cross took care of all of those. And so basically what it's doing is it's releasing judgment of the sinner to God and releasing that individual from our own judgment. It's telling God, you know what? The sacrifice of your son on a cross covered that one. And there's nothing more I could do than what you've already done. So Lord, even though I'm so angry at that person, I think that they should be killed. 
okay? And it's only your hand that's preventing me from killing them, <laughs> right? I am choosing to say, you know what, God, not my will, but your will be done. And if you want to bless that person, that's your choice because the judgment lies with you and not with me. Yeah. And what that does is once we work through that process, that helps us look at the other side of the coin. Because that process puts us in a position to work toward reconciliation with the other person if they want reconciliation on healthy terms. Did you hear all those qualifiers? If they want reconciliation with you on healthy terms, it opens up the door for that. It doesn't mean it's going to happen. And it doesn't mean if it doesn't happen, you didn't forgive them. Okay? The purpose of this side is the potential reconciliation. It may not be possible. The offender may no longer be with us. Maybe dead. Okay? The offender is a person who, maybe it's a person on Highway 4 who just cut you off. Chances are you'll never see them again. You see hundreds of people on Highway 4. Sorry. Now that's saying that you're open to the reconciliation yeah. if it's a healthy situation. Yeah. What if you're not open to the reconciliation, but they are? Then basic, you, you have to ask yourself, why aren't you open to reconciliation? You have to ask yourself that question, why? Because many times, like I shared, an unbeliever, I'm going to be open to reconciliation so I can run all over you again. Okay? So you have to ask yourself this question, why aren't I open to reconciliation? Am I fearful? Am I afraid that this offense is going to repeat? Are there boundaries you can set in place? If Gene had a gambling addiction and gambled away our mortgage, you know, month after month after month, it doesn't mean I can't enter back in a relationship with Jean. I can forgive her. She can, she can say, you know, I'm really sorry, and, you know, she, she's really repentant. That doesn't mean I give her carte blanche with the checkbook. Or the credit card. Or the credit cards. Or the bank account. Or the bank accounts. Guess what goes into my name for a while? <laughs> it's, it's safe, and God doesn't, God has boundaries. Love, unconditional love, does not mean unconditional behavior and unconditional no, no boundaries. It doesn't mean that. If it did, there'd be no need for the cross. It's okay to have boundaries. It's okay to define those. And if that person doesn't want those boundaries, you don't have to be in a relationship with them. It's not about control either. Yeah. It's not about, well, you have to do this and this and this and this before I'll let you into my life. These are conditions of responsible relating that God sets forth. Yeah. All right? I just think of the rich young ruler that came up to Christ. I've kept all of your commandments. What must I do? Well, all you have to do is give away your money and you'll be fine. What? <laughs> Stop. I don't see that in the commandments. Why do I have to give away my stuff? Right? Because Jesus knew in that person's heart that his stuff was higher, of more importance, was his God. Okay? So I'm not saying that we have to tell people to give away all our stuff or anything else, but it's perfectly fine to say someone that's addicted to drugs, you can't bring that into the house. Okay? And you have to be seeking help. And you have to be doing this, and you have to be doing that. Okay. I mean, these are God-defined boundaries. These are not little magical hoops that you make to have these people jump through. These are God-directed boundaries, okay? Forgiveness only takes one, you and God. That's all forgiveness takes. But wouldn't that be two? It'll be four. Okay. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, you're pretty. <laughs> Forgiveness takes one person and God. Reconciliation always involves two people and should also include God if it's going to be healthy. Reconciliation is not a license to sin again. Boundaries are appropriate and does not automatically restore the relationship to a pre-offense state. 
Okay, forgiveness does not wipe that slate clean. It means I'm not going to hold you, I'm not going to hold judgment over you any longer. I'm not going to hang it over your head forever. All right. Okay. We have to be reasonable in our expectations of others. In the midst of our anger, our emotions are high, and oftentimes our judgment is clouded. Get that. You're hurt, and you're not thinking properly. All right. Uh, we expect to others to recognize you screwed up. You better recognize it. And you better say forgive it right then and there. Because if you have to think about it and come back later and you say you're sorry, you don't mean it. And that's another offense. Because now I'm offended. You didn't know what you did wrong. Okay. The truth is that most of our acts and words that hurt us are not done intentionally. Frequently, a person may not even know that they've done something to hurt us. If the other person does not feel that they've done something wrong, we may have unreasonable expectations of their behavior. This is the hard part. We have to remember no one owes us anything. No one owes us anything. The world does not revolve around us. It would be wonderful if they said, I'm sorry. It would be wonderful if they can um, recognize, recognize what they did, what on, their they did okay, on their own or otherwise. But most people are generally kind-hearted people. The ones that hurt us most are generally the ones that are hurting the most. All right? There are some intentional people out there that are intentional mm -hmm. to are. screw you over. I'm not saying that there's not. But the majority of times, especially in near relationships, it's a lack of understanding, a lack of communication, and just a lack of awareness. So we need to be reasonable. I would never do anything like that. You wouldn't in this situation. They're a different person. How many times have someone said, I would never do that about you okay. or about me? Okay. And again, we've talked about examining your own heart in detail. I'm sorry. Someone else's sin always looks greater than your own. Yes, it does. Okay. So uh, we talked about examining your own heart. Here's an important thing. Forgiveness is really unconditional. It really is. Relationship is conditional. Reconciliation is conditional. Forgiveness is unconditional. Oh, sorry. Babe. Yeah. We need to understand that it will take time to forgive. Some things only take a short time, all right? You were cut off on Highway 4. By the time we get to our destination, we very well may forget about the person that cut us off. Yeah. We've already forgiven them. Other times, it takes a long time, and we have to choose to forgive over and over yeah. and over again. Lord, I can justify maybe their behavior. That can be a part of forgiving, yeah. okay? Um, Maybe we can, um, um, I lost it again, okay. Um, we need to recognize that when those things stir up, we have a choice to harbor those thoughts, to get those little digs at Satan, well, remember this, remember that, or choose to think on what's true, what's noble, and what's just, and what's praiseworthy. Think about the promises of God that, yes, even God has forgiven that offense. All right. The, are you going to allow it to speak against your identity and who you are and how God would desire you to be? And sometimes this process of forgiving can take years. Yeah. Okay? Because I've seen that too, that sometimes eventually you have blessings because you've allowed yourself to forgive yeah. that person. Exactly. The, the more severe the offense, the longer it can take. Uh, one more thing. Um, yep. How many times have um, you guys been really angry, but then forgot why you were angry? No. Okay. <laughs> no. All right. All right. So how many other people have experienced that? Yeah. You're just really angry? Okay. It just becomes a ball of anger, and it's like little tidbits of different reasons. Just kind of fall in there. And it just becomes a clump, and you can't even explain what really set you off. Okay. Then you become a tornado and tear everybody down. Sometimes we're really angry and we maintain that anger 
but we don't even know what it's about. And sometimes we need to recognize that either our heart or mind is holding on to the anger, but the other part of us, our heart or our mind, has let go of it. You know, if we can't, I, I watched a, uh, I, challenging sleeping one night and I wound up watching Golden Girls. Don't, <laughs> okay. don't ask me why, okay? It's not something I usually turn to or anything else like that. But I only watched part of it and it was really interesting because um, the old lady, I don't even remember what her name, I guess her son died. Um, I didn't even know that she had a son, but apparently there was a major rift in this family. Um, and I guess he also wore dresses a lot, okay? But he was married and had kids as well. And the, the daughter-in-law was, was there, and it's like, we've got to settle this. This has been a major rift, you know? Why, why has this been like that? And, and it's like, because the dowry check bounced mm -hmm. when she got married 15, 20, 30, 40 years earlier, the dowry check bounced. It's like, what? You know, you're holding on to this for how many years? Because the dowry check bounced? And the dowry check was worth about $47? That's a cheap dowry. Well, it was a lot more than wherever she was, but okay. But how many, how many times have we lived that out in our life? Yeah. Okay? I want to follow up on something that Jean was talking about. Forgiveness can occur in stages. It's okay. But when the offense is really great, when it's really traumatic, sometimes we have to work through this in stages. Or when it's been balled up, we have to unpack it. Or when it's been balled up, we have to unpack it. It's okay. But keep in mind that if you still sense yourself, I thought I forgave him, and there's still anger rising up in me, there's another level of forgiveness you probably have to go to. So one of the things I would recommend is if you don't know what that may be, reach out to somebody. Reach out to somebody. Healthy. Healthy. Reach out to somebody who can maybe help you unpack that fireball. You know, That's it's not going to add fuel to it. it. But not add fuel to it. Because oftentimes somebody from an outside perspective can see something and allow you an opportunity to work through another level of forgiveness. Tell you another quote from Corey Temboom. If you've ever seen a country church with a bell in the steeple, you'll remember that to get that bell ringing, you have to tug a while. All right? Especially the big ones. Okay? But once it's begun to ring, you just have to maintain the momentum. As long as you keep pulling, the bell keeps ringing. Forgiveness is letting go of the rope. It's that simple. Choosing. But when you let go of the rope, the bell doesn't stop ringing immediately. Okay? Momentum is still at work. But if you keep your hands off the rope, the bell will begin to slow and eventually stop. I think that's one of the best visuals that I've ever come. Yeah. Um, really quickly to wrap up, Dr. D, um, you guys know Dr. Dresselhaus? He does a, a daily devotional. And yesterday's devotional was fact, fault finder or burden bearer, which will you be? Fault finders see the weaknesses, inadequacies, and shortcomings of others and are proud they're not like them. But burden bearers see the potentials, successes, and strengths of others and wonder in what ways they might be of help. Jude speaks of fault finders. They follow their own evil desires and they boast about themselves. Paul tells us to carry each other's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. So it's the training of the eyes. You can choose what you will see in others. Jesus is our example. He sees all of our faults, but he chooses to see what we can become as we accept his grace. So fault finder or burden bearer, which will you be? 
Any comments, questions, or snide remarks? Um, I don't know if they still do it in the streams, but I know they did it way back when, uh, for forgiveness, they would have, if someone's offended you, you go up and they'll play the role of that person and they'll say they're sorry, like yep. the father, the mother, the brother, sister, aunt, and you're able to release a lot of that through cleansing streams. And then number two is um, there's short-term unforgiveness, like someone on the freeway, and then there's long-term um, unforgiveness that someone in your family or, sure. you know, so there's two different types. Yeah, and that's what and we And I think about. it rolls over if you're very unforgiving. It rolls over to the incidences on the freeways and the yeah. short-terms in the marketplace and things like that. Yeah. So Usually what happens, welcome. yeah, the, the fireball that Sarah talked about, all those little things add to the fireball because even though you've forgiven and you don't know really why you're angry anymore there's an unhealed hurt that all those things are circulating around and so at the core of the fireball is an unhealed hurt okay any other questions um i just really want to speak you brought up identificational repentance okay you don't have to go to cleansing stream for that but if anyone hasn't been in cleansing stream next season in the spring if we have it here i definitely recommend going identificational repentance is a way of someone stepping in okay we've done it sometimes here in class where i might represent a teacher or a mother positions that i actually hold now and step in and and offer the i am sorry's and you know what we talk about confession and forgiveness what i did was wrong will you forgive me all right great words what i did was wrong all right what the person did was wrong so I, if i'm stepping into that place so we can do that for one another what your boss did was wrong as a manager of a company i would represent that person and say what your boss did was wrong it shouldn't have happened like that I'm sorry that you experienced the hurt and the pain from that. I am wrong. Please okay. forgive me. Will you forgive me? Right. All right. And it does wonders for, for healing. Okay. So, prayer for today. Heavenly Father, we know from Nehemiah that you are a forgiving God, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. We thank you, gracious Lord, for your unfailing love and the grace that protects us and binds us in unity with forgiveness. Merciful Father, give us the spiritual, emotional, and psychological strength to apologize to others and seek their forgiveness when we have offended them. Help us, dear God, to put aside resentment, hurt, hostility, and bitterness so that we may have reconciliation with those who offended us and whom we have offended. Almighty Father, help us to practice forgiveness in our everyday lives and turn our anger to a ministry that will glorify your name. We thank you, dear Lord, for forgiving our sins, and we ask that you help us do the same for others as your ambassadors. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great week. Um,